podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, welcome to the show on Monday, the 21st of November. The World Cup is underway in Qatar. We've had our first match, Ecuador beating the hosts 2-0, two goals from Ener Valencia. Today, we have three games. England versus Iran is probably over by the time you hear this. We also have Senegal versus the Netherlands and the United States versus Wales. Myself and Carol Matchett are doing a daily podcast on Anfield Index about the World Cup. So if you look for Anfield Index on your podcast provider, it will most likely be the most recent pods. We've talked about the Qatar-Ecuador game. We've looked at the three games that are on today. And that pod will be daily throughout the World Cup. There'll be some days where it'll be myself and Guy. There'll be some days where it's Guy and Carol. But most days, hopefully, it will be myself and Carol 
uh, to keep you up to date on all your World Cup stuff throughout. Um, for this podcast, what I want to do during the World Cup, I want to still keep it Premier League focused. So I want to talk about each of the Premier League teams and where they are so far and perhaps what they might look to do in January. So we're going to start today with Arsenal. We do that after the break. Um, just to give you a heads up, if you haven't seen the England game, I'm not sure what time this will come out. It's probably four o'clock, so the game will probably be over. But England have announced their team with Pickford, Trippier, Stones, Maguire, Shaw, Bellingham and Rice, Saka, Mount and Sterling behind Kane. Whereas Iran, uh, Berenvand in goals, Marami at right back, Shezmi, Hosseini, and someone whose name I can't pronounce at centre back, Mohamedi at left wing back, and in midfield, Hashafi, Karimi, and another person whose name I can't pronounce, uh, Jahan Bakash and Tarimi up front. So a back five, three in midfield, hard working. They look to punish England on set pieces, but I think Iran are setting up to try and get the draw. Like I said, more about that on Anfield Index. Um, Before we get to Arsenal, we'll just run through the latest news and the bits of gossip from the weekend, and then we'll do Arsenal after the break. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has said, I speak when I want. He, He says, the row with Manchester United will not shake Portugal. It's very clear it's already had an effect on Portugal. It's very clear that the players would would be would would have preferred had he not done that interview before the World Cup. But this is who he is. He wants all the focus on him. He wants all the attention. And I've said before, I would make Portugal one of the favourites for the competition if he wasn't in the team. In my life, the best timing is always my timing. I mean, the arrogance is outrageous. I don't have to think about what other people think. I speak when I want. The players know me really well for many years and know the type of person I am. They all know you're an arrogant prick is is the actual truth of it. And as I say, this team would be better off without him. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has been sacked as Rangers manager. As I spoke about last week, I don't think he's done as bad a job as some would have you believe. In fact, in many ways, he has saved them because they were heading down the path of financial ruin. Gerard was spending quite recklessly considering their income and... Van Bronckhorst getting them to a European final in the Europa League and then qualifying for the Champions League proper this season, even if the results were poor, that money, that has saved them. That has dug them out of the massive financial hole they'd found themselves in. He did also win the Scottish Cup, which is a decent achievement for them. And I'll be interested to see who they go for. There have been... Some suggestions, some suggestion that Steven Gerrard could find his way back to the club. Now, I've seen some Rangers fans say they don't want him back, that they're annoyed by how he left, the fact that they view themselves as a bigger club than Aston Villa. Now, I do not view them as a bigger club than Aston Villa. I think Villa are a bigger club than Rangers. 
I think their history shows that. But I can see why Rangers fans would be of that belief. Rangers are a big club, there's no doubt. The question for Gerard wasn't so much the size of the club, it was the size of the league. The Premier League is several levels above the Scottish Premiership, which is without the top two, it is championship level or or, or lower. I would say League One level. I think Rangers and Celtic are championship level in terms of quality. The Premier League is a different animal. I think that's what drew Gerard to Aston Villa. In the same way, when Rodgers was at Celtic, the first Premier League offer he got was from Leicester. Now, he will tell you that he turned down other offers, but that's not true. The first Premier League offer he got was from Leicester and he jumped out and he went there. Um, I don't blame Gerard at all for trying the Aston Villa thing, but I wouldn't blame him at all if he goes back to Rangers. I, I think it's a step in the wrong direction for his career. I think he'd be better off going to a championship club. He's not good enough to manage in the Premier League, but I think he'd be better off testing himself in the championship and seeing if he is actually a good manager or if he's just bought a bit of success north of the border. It's a tougher place to go now with Ange Postacoglu and that machine he's building at Celtic. So it could ruin a bit of Gerrard's legacy if he goes back there and doesn't have any success. But again, you couldn't blame him. He's not likely to want to stay out of work for too long. And if Rangers come calling, it will be hard for him to turn them down. We'll do the gossip. We'll just do the gossip. There's three days worth of gossip and then we'll do Arsenal. Going to be a little bit shorter today than they have been. Do want to point out some really good writing on the BBC website. Uh, Brazil versus Italy in the day football died. Ronaldo's rise, tears and redemption with Brazil in 2002. How Pele cemented his leg is, sorry, how Pele cemented his legend at the 1970 World Cup. Cruyff, Total Football and World Cup Heartbreak. These are four really, really good, well-written pieces that are important for the history of the World Cup. So do check them out. There's a lot of good World Cup coverage on the BBC. Now, I understand that a lot of people don't want to watch the World Cup, don't want to talk about the World Cup, but it is there. And even if you're not watching this World Cup, looking back on historic World Cups, I think is always enjoyable. Um, before we do the gossip, we should point out the the win in yesterday's big friendly, Ireland versus Malta. And it ended up 1-0 to Ireland, uh, largely as the result of a defensive error. Ireland were not particularly good. They had Cuevin Kelleher in goal, Seamus Coleman, John Egan and Nathan Collins as a back three. It's not an ideal back three. Uh, Doherty, Brown, Cullen, McGrath and McLean or McLean as the five across midfield. And then Ogbonne and Robinson up front. Cousin Jeff, O'Dowda, Ferguson and Sykes coming off the bench during the game. Uh, really good to see Mark Sykes getting his debut. The first Belfast-born player to play for Ireland in 76 years. Uh, plays his club football for Bristol City. He's a He's a... Fun player. He's a winger, creative and inventive, and he's quite direct. So I do quite like him. A little bit, little bit of Keith Gillespie about him. Um, 
gossip. We'll do the gossip and then we'll take a break. Like I say, a bit of a shorter pod for the duration of the World Cup because there's just not going to be a whole lot of Premier League stuff going on unless there's a sacking or whatever. And as and when they come up, we'll deal with them. Major League Soccer teams could be in a position to sign Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United, courtesy of a £210 Apple TV deal. I would be stunned, stunned if he dared move to America, genuinely. I think when Europe turns their back on him, which is very, very close to being the case, it'll be the Middle East for him. The only club in Europe who seems to have any kind of interest in him now is Chelsea. That is purely on the owner, not on anybody involved in recruitment or the manager. Todd Bowley, who is a buffoon, wants to get the big name, the pizzazz and all of that. And if they sign Cristiano in January, I think they finish probably sixth or seventh. Uh, Bruno Fernandes said he had no problem with Manchester United and Portugal teammate Ronaldo, despite the awkward exchange between them being caught on camera. I would imagine he has a serious problem with him. I really do. Think about Bruno Fernandes and what he was doing before Cristiano turned up at Old Trafford. He was establishing himself as one of the best attacking midfielders in world football. He was an absolute machine for goals and assists. For 18 months at United, he had been the man. The team was built around him and he had flourished. And at the same time, the team was doing well. Cristiano turns up. Bruno has to completely alter his game. And we start to see the same Bruno we've seen for the national team when playing with Cristiano, which is a vastly inferior player. So... I would imagine he does have a bit of a problem. I think he'll be thrilled when Cristiano leaves United. And the thing is, Bruno's also the team captain now. With Maguire out, Bruno's the one that wears the armband most often. And Cristiano's come out and just slandered the club that he is captaining. So I, I don't think he should be too happy. Colo Toure is set to be named as Wigan boss, the former Manchester City, Liverpool and Ivory Coast defender. I would say the former Arsenal Manchester City, Liverpool and Ivory Coast defender. Considering Arsenal was the scene of his most prominent triumph. Uh, he's currently coach at Leicester. He's been a coach at Celtic under Brendan Rodgers. And he's set to be named as the Wigan boss, apparently. Best of luck to him. I'll be interested to see how he does as a manager. Um, he certainly won't be able to tell Pierce Morgan to shut up on Twitter anymore. But that those are long gone days, unfortunately. Leicester are interested in signing Germany left-back Robin Golsens from Inter Milan. He's a funny player. He was absolutely outstanding for Atalanta. But the move to Inter really hasn't worked at all. There's been a couple of injuries, but when he has had opportunities, he just hasn't taken them. Maybe it's just that he hasn't been able to get a proper rhythm. He's certainly a very good player. If you're buying him, though, you're committing to playing three at the back and him as a wing-back. Now, I think that could suit Leicester because as I look at their team and we'll talk about Leicester when we get to them uh, as they do one team a day. Castanier is more suited as a wing back. He obviously came from Atalanta as well. 
Ricardo Pereira, when he returns from his Achilles injury, he's more suited as a wing-back. And James Justin could play as a centre-back in a back three. Him, phase you need one more, and then all of a sudden you've got something good if you get Golson's in. So I could see that being a move that would make sense for all parties. Manchester City and England for Jack Grealish fears the club is willing to sell him next year as he's struggling to get a place in Pep Guardiola's starting lineup. It's undeniable that they're a better team without him. He doesn't suit how they play. They don't suit how he wants to play. Jack Grealish is better off being the main guy at a second-tier club. He's just one of those players where everything goes through him and he's allowed to play to his own strengths. That's where you'll get the best out of him. Putting him into a system like cities, which is quite rigid, despite the kind of free-flowing nature of it, it's all very automated in attack. Everybody knows what they're meant to be doing. There's very little off-the-cuff play in Manchester City's attack. It doesn't suit Grealish. Now, where would he go if he was to leave? That is the question. Um, They'd probably sell him to Chelsea. Does he suit Chelsea? Maybe. Maybe he'd work better under Graham Potter. But they're about to sign in Kunku, by all accounts, so they don't need him. Um, Arsenal don't have need for him. He wouldn't suit Liverpool at all. They wouldn't sell him to United. They might sell him to Spurs, but do Spurs have that type of money? Could he work under Conte? So I don't know where he'd go. You've also got to factor in they paid $100 million for him. What are they going to want? They're going to want 70 80 There's only a handful of clubs that could pay that. And like, for being honest, he's not good enough to start for most of them. The agent of Manchester United and Uruguay forward Facundo Palestri says his client could leave Old Trafford in January, having not yet made a senior appearance for the club. He's very, very talented. And I really don't understand what United are doing. Like, they went and bought Anthony in summer for a ridiculous amount of money. He had a couple of good games, and he's been largely average in the last few games. They had bought Palestri and Ahmad Diallo for, I think, about 50 million combined. And it seems like they're just going to waste both of them. They're both phenomenally gifted young players. But it seems like United are just set to waste both of them. Garnacho is ahead of both now. I know Ahmad is out on loan, but, you know, Gar- Garnacho is 18. He's coming ahead of them. You've got Sancho. Hasn't really worked with him. He might find himself struggling to get games if Garnacho keeps playing the way he is and is willing to commit to his future to the club. So I really don't know. I really don't know what they're thinking with these young players. They, they should be making the most of having all of these young wingers, and they're just not. Former Tottenham boss Mauricio Pochettino has hinted at the wrong timing having prevented him from becoming Manchester United boss, but says the move could still happen in the future. I think it's no secret that United have long coveted him. I think they would have actually preferred him in the summer to Eric Ten Hag. I think he would have actually made a little bit more sense as well because he's a bit more pragmatic than Ten Hag. But credit to Ten Hag, he has largely abandoned his own principles um, to kind of make the most of what he has. 
But the Pochettino situation at PSG was just weird all summer. I mean, everybody knew they were going to replace him. They didn't fire him. He just kind of hung around collecting wages. Rather than just go to them and say, look, I, I know you're trying to bring in Galtier. Just let's just figure out something that works for everybody so I can leave now and go get another job. Barcelona will sell Memphis Depay in January. I think there'll be a number of clubs interested, but I do feel like Grealish, he's one that needs the team built around him. Uh, he'll be much more affordable than Grealish, though. Jose Mourinho wants to bring Hector Bellerin to Roma. They're losing Rick Caldrop uh, by choice. They have decided they don't want him anymore. Uh, they feel he's let the team down. Bellerin's not any good. So I, I wouldn't sign him, but, you know, Mourinho does Mourinho things. Premier League clubs Brighton, Fulham, Manchester United and Tottenham are interested in signing Napoli and South Korea central defender Kim Min-jae. He would be perfect in the middle of Conte's back three. Absolutely perfect. You couldn't find a better fit for the middle of a Conte back three. He could play for United next to Martinez, though it wouldn't be ideal. Uh, Fulham and Brighton couldn't afford him. I know he has a buyout, but they couldn't afford him. I would rather see him sign a new contract with... I would rather see him sign a new contract with Napoli, remove the buyout and stay there long term, because I do think they're building something special. Ex-Arsenal and England midfielder Jack Wilshire says he would call up pundits such as Jamie Redknapp and Paul Scholes, if they criticise him. And now you understand why Jack Wilshere didn't have the career he should have had. Aaron Ramsdale says England and Arsenal teammate Bakayo Saka would not shy away from taking a penalty at Qatar. That's because he has the right mentality. He's an outstanding young player. He's very strong mentally. I'd back Bakayo Saka in any situation. Real Madrid and Brazil forward Vinicius Jr. feared suffering an injury before the World Cup because of dirty tackles from opponents in La Liga. I will say he does get kicked a lot. He really does. Teams do target him. Fans who have travelled to the World Cup as part of a paid-for supporters programme have had their daily allowance cancelled. Well, that's just magnificent. Former Arsenal and Chelsea midfielder Emmanuel Petit, who obviously won the World Cup with France in 98, thinks Brazil will win the World Cup. They certainly have a chance, but I think the defence will let them down. Darren Bent thinks Gareth Southgate will leave his position after the World Cup, regardless of how well the three lines do. Southgate has said he wants to stay until the Euros, but I get the feeling he'll go as well. I'm not sure what job he'll get afterwards, though. Like, no Premier League club that's well run will appoint him because he's not very good. Chelsea will watch Everton and England goalkeeper Jordan Pickford at the World Cup as Todd Bowley looks for a new owner. Well, that would be a very Todd Bowley signing. Manchester United's teenage star Alejandro Garnacho is in line for a huge pay rise with the 18-year-old Argentina winger set to earn 50000 a week on a new contract. That's... This is why United find themselves in the trouble that they're in, giving fifty grand a week to 18-year-olds. He's going to get another new contract at 20. That's going to be 100 grand. By 22, he'll get another new contract, and that'll be 150 grand. By 25, he's going to be earning 200 grand. 
And who's to say if he ever actually nails down a starting spot? He certainly looks very talented. But he's 18. Lots of players have looked really talented at 18 and not panned out. But United find themselves in this situation multiple times. And I will say, the last time they had a really exciting young winger kind of come through of their own, it was Yanazai. And they gave him this type of contract at around maybe 19 when he got his contract. And that completely sidetracked his career because he no longer had to prove himself. Chelsea are ready to step in if Manchester United follow through on their plan to sack Cristiano. Manchester United do not blame George Mendes for the Portuguese Ford's comments about the club and hope that he can cement the deal to cancel Ronaldo's contract rather than sacking him. Uh, they don't blame George Mendes because if they did, George Mendes would blacklist them and they'd never get one of his players again. And he also has links to a lot of other agents and they would lose out on a large portion of potential players. Brighton and Scotland midfielder Billy Gilmore is open to a move to a European club after struggling to see action since joining the South Coast club. I think he'll get more action as the season goes on. I do. Chelsea are considering a move for Leon Bailey, who is a good friend of Raheem Sterling. I don't know if they're good friends. They did a couple of photo shoots together a few years ago because they have the Jamaican connection. I don't know. I don't know how friendly they are, but Leon Bailey is very, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating to watch. Talented, no doubt, but he's he's a one in three or four kind of player. I mean, one good game in three or four, not one goal in three or four. So I, I wouldn't be paying money for him, not at this point. Let, let's see him do something consistently, uh, consistently over a year or two. The father of Brazilian starlet Endrick claims that only one European club has, have officially opened negotiations with Palmeiras over the 16-year-old, even though he cannot move until he turns 18. I believe that club is PSG, but Chelsea are linked. My expectation is he ends up at Real Madrid, which is where all of these Brazilian starlets end up. Vinicius Rodrigo, he's the next one. Um, Renner Jesus um, as well. I think he's the next one to go there. England players could receive 500,000 in bonuses from the FA if they lift the World Cup, while Southgate will also receive a massive bonus of 3 million on top of his 6 million a year contract. Gareth Southgate's getting paid 6 million a year to not be very good. That is ridiculous. Lionel Messi could join Manchester City if he cannot win the World Cup. That makes no sense. Jurgen Klopp has revealed he left Borussia Dortmund earlier than earlier than planned to help the German club land Thomas Tuchel as his successor. That does make sense. Tuchel had been at Mainz, was long seen as the natural successor to Klopp at Dortmund, left Mainz a year before everybody expected him to and took a year out. I think his initial plan was to work that year, then take a year out and then take another job. And Klopp probably would have stayed at Dortmund one more season. But I think all Liverpool fans are very happy that he left when he left. Bernardo Silva has insisted that Cristiano's fallout with Manchester United is not a distraction. He did also lament the fact that he was having to talk about it and therefore it is a distraction. Former Paris Saint-Germain boss Maurizio Pochettino has suggested that France Ford, Kylian Mbappe, wanted to leave the club last summer to join Real Madrid. 
will either suggest it or reset it, but I don't know. Around 35 Manchester United scouts from around the globe have met in Manchester for a series of recruitment meetings to have a more joined-up approach to recruitment. I mean, if that's true, that's ridiculous. If that is true, that's absolutely absurd. Juventus are set to sign Moise Keane from Everton on a permanent transfer. That's Romano has said that. That's not news. They bought, they got him on loan with an obligation to buy. They have to buy him in the summer. Liverpool have received a boost in the pursuit of Jude Bellingham with reports that rivals Real Madrid have an upper price limit. Uh, you can be absolutely certain that Liverpool also have an upper price limit. New Wolves boss Julian Lopetegui wants to bring in his own recruitment team ahead of the January window. That makes sense, to be fair. But there are some good people at Wolves, so he should make sure that he doesn't get rid of them all. Leeds and Poland midfielder Matthias Glish is increasingly frustrated at Elland Road and is set to leave the club in January. If I'm not mistaken, he was left out of the Polish squad. I'm almost certain he was. He was left out of Polish squad because he hasn't really played this season. And to be fair, it's the right decision. Yeah, he was left out. It's the right decision for Leeds not to play him. He's not as good as Mark Rocha. He's not as good as Tyler Adams. And they've got a bunch of young midfielders there that are going to need games as well. So it makes sense to to let him go. Uh, Last day's worth of gossip then. Tottenham are keeping tabs on Anthony Gordon. I still can't believe Everton turned down big money from Chelsea for him in the summer because... He is distinctly average. He's got pace and not a bunch else. And he's also the worst diver in the Premier League. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is expected to leave Liverpool as a free agent this summer. Everybody has known that for weeks. The Reds want to sell him, wanted to sell him for £10 million last summer, but could not agree a deal. It's because he tore his hamstring. There was some interest and then he got injured and that kind of put an end to that. Barcelona and Netherlands midfielder Frankie de Jong says the La Liga club were responsible for leaking details of his contract to the media. It sounds like we're coming to the end of Frankie de Jong's time at Barcelona. Um, he's kind of openly talking about maybe going elsewhere now. And he's openly criticised the club a couple of times. Uh, I did like his comment that one of the you know the paid-for fans told him to join Liverpool. Uh, appreciate the hustle. De Jong and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen have been contacted by Barcelona about lowering their salaries to help the club's financial situation. They should refuse. Barcelona gave them those contracts. Both of them have already gone above and beyond to help Barcelona, and they shouldn't do it again because they're not being treated properly. Borussia Dortmund will not sell West Ham and Leeds target Rafael Guerrero before his contract runs out at the end of the season. If he's on a Bosman in the summer, he's going to have really good offers. He's very, very good going forward. Not great defensively. If you're going to play with wing-backs, you'll go a long way before you find one better than him uh, going forward. Chelsea are concerned Romelu Lukaku's lack of game time at the World Cup could affect his value when they try to sell him. Um, He's been ruled out of the first two matches, which is a huge blow for Belgium. But I think they'll be okay. I don't think he wants to go anywhere other than Inter, though. So I'm not sure who you're going to sell him to. I'm not sure what the market would be for him anyway. Uh, Manchester United are close to handing Garnacho a deal worth 50 grand a week. This is just a regurgitation. Uh, former Manchester United boss Louis van Gaal, who is now the manager of the Netherlands, 
says he wanted to sign Sadio Mane during his time in charge at Old Trafford. That was reported at the time. Former Liverpool and Barcelona striker Luis Suarez turned down enough from Gremio because he will join an MLS side. I wonder, is it into Miami? And I wonder, is he setting up for Messi to arrive after him? Because those two have become incredibly close friends. And I do think we'll see Messi in MLS. I think the, the idea when he goes there will be he'll get the Beckham deal. So we know how much Messi earns. It's ludicrous, you know, somewhere between 500 and a million a week. They're not going to pay him that in MLS because they can't. He'll get a designated player spot. But what I think he'll get is he'll get the Beckham deal, which is what when Beckham signed for LA Galaxy, it was announced as a five-year, $125 million contract. But he was being paid $5 million a year, which was $25 million over the period of five years. The $100 million was put into like an escrow account or whatever, or not so much even an escrow account. What it was basically done was it was put aside for him and like basically that's a discount off an MLS franchise you will be allowed to have a new expansion MLS franchise and you'll get a hundred million off the franchise fee. That's basically what happened with Beckham. I think Messi will get the same. The question would be what city would Messi put his team in? Beckham got Miami, one of the sort of more glamorous markets. I don't know where Messi would put a team, where it would suit him. Like, I, I don't think he's all about the glamour, really. I think he's happy enough to have a low enough profile, but he still will want a club, I think, in a big market. So Atalanta, Charlotte, Chicago Fire, Cincinnati, Columbus Crew, DC United, Inter Miami, CF Montreal, Nashville, New England Revolution, New York City FC, New New York Red Bulls, Orlando City, Philadelphia Union, and Toronto FC is the Eastern Conference. That is largely all the big cities in the East. Now, I don't know if Chicago would have a big enough market for two football teams because you're also sharing with the Bears, the Bulls, the White Sox, the Cubs, and Chicago Fire. New York already has two teams. Boston wouldn't be big enough for two. So I don't know where you would put a team for him. All the big, all the big Eastern Conference cities are taken. In the West, we get Austin FC, Colorado, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, the two teams in LA, Galaxy and FC, Minnesota United, Portland Timbers, Rail Salt Lake, San Jose Earthquakes, Seattle Sounders, St. Louis City, and Vancouver. Now, Guy mentioned San Francisco, but I'm guessing San Jose Earthquakes is the team for that region. Could San Diego take a team San Diego would be the one that would make sense to me 
The other one is obviously Vegas. Vegas would be more glamorous. San Diego might make more sense, though, because they did lose the Chargers to LA. They've only got the Padres. So San Diego might be the the city to look for if Messi does go there as the one that might start getting talked about as that's where Messi's going to have a franchise. Um, That would be my guess. San Diego or Vegas. I think they're the two that make sense if they're going to expand the, um, the Western Conference. But normally when they expand, they try and do one in each conference. Like we saw Minnesota come in in the West at the same time Atlanta came in in the East. We saw Austin FC come in and then we saw Charlotte come in. LAFC came in, then into Miami came in. So they do try and balance it. Um, in the season ahead, we have the St. Louis team coming in. And actually, actually, I suppose Cincinnati came in as well in the East in the recent years, but St. Louis fixes the balance so that there's equal numbers. So I guess if there's two, it'll be one in each conference. So either, either San Diego or Vegas plus somewhere in the in the east. Maybe they put one in Louisville. Maybe they put one in like Delaware or somewhere. I don't know. Maybe Delaware. Maybe Buffalo. You wanna put an indoor stadium though. You better put an indoor stadium in Buffalo. Um anyway, back to this. West Ham United are keen to sign Sevilla's Morocco striker, Yusuf El-Naziri. It doesn't really make any sense when they brought brought in Skimaka that those two aren't going to work together, in my view. Aston Villa have concrete interest in bringing in Villarreal and Nigeria winger Samuel Chukwesi. Uh, this is the spoofer, Wayne Vesey, so probably nonsense. Probably not anything to have any attention paid to. Austria forward Marco Wernadovic is content to have rejected multiple approaches from Manchester United, although his family wanted him to move from Bologna. Interesting that he's claiming he rejected it and United are claiming they pulled out of the deal because of the fans' complaints. AC Milan are considering a loan move for Hakim. I'm really bored of Hakim Ziyech and AC Milan. Really bored. I want him to go somewhere else at this point. Lucien Favre will stay in charge of Nice until the end of the season, despite his future being called into question. He's not doing very well there. Milan are also interested in Chelsea's English midfielder, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He would do very well in Syria. I think he'd be a really, really interesting signing in Syria. Dinamo Moscow and Russian midfielder Arsene Zakarian's agent has called Chelsea's interest a rather complex story. That kid is super talented. He's 19. He's a playmaker, can play wide or central. He is super talented. Maybe the best player Russia have produced in 30 years, 35 years. He's really, really talented. So keep an eye on him. He will get a move away from Dinamo. It's just a matter of where he ends up with the ongoing situation in Ukraine. It's unlikely that an English club will sign him, uh, though allegedly he is looking into potentially taking on Armenian citizenship. Um, obviously, Zakarian is a 
is an Armenian name, but he is a Russian international. He'd just be able to tra travel easier and get work permits easier as an Armenian, um, even playing for Russia. Um, I would love to see him join Napoli. I think you put him with Osman and Kvalachkeli. Uh, they'd just be terrifying together. Uh, that is all of the gossip then. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will have a quick chat about Arsenal. See you soon. Right, just before we get on to Arsenal, uh, Mason Greenwood's court date has been set for the beginning of his trial over allegations of attempted rape, assault and controlling and coercive behaviour. For November of 2023. So I'm going to assume we will not see Mason Greenwood play football before that. So should he be found not guilty, which is obviously a possibility, and we, we shouldn't rush to, you know, we've obviously there's videos and there's there's evidence and whatever else, but we don't know yet whether him and this girl have reconciled or whatever. There was talk they'd followed each other on social media and maybe something will come of that. I don't know, but he will have lost three years of his career um, through his own stupidity. Even if he doesn't be found guilty, even if he's not found, doesn't be found guilty. Even if he's not found guilty, he will have lost three years of his career and it's well-deserved. Now Arsenal. So obviously they are top, of the Premier League. Uh, they have played 14 games, 12 wins, one draw, one defeat. They have been fortunate enough in the run of fixtures they've had. They've been fortunate with some in-game results. They've been fortunate with the performances of certain opponents and certain referees. But you can only beat what's put in front of you. They beat Crystal Palace in their opening game. Um, it was a good win for Arsenal. But obviously, Palace had no pre-season. Then they, they beat Leicester. And they were fairly comfortable against Leicester. Comfortable win over Bournemouth. Played some really nice football. Quite a fortunate win over Fulham, who absolutely deserved a draw from that game. Uh, then they beat Aston Villa. They weren't great on the day, but they got the win. They lost to Manchester United. Looked very naive doing so. Then they beat Brentford. It was a good performance. They played very well against, our, against uh, Tottenham. Liverpool were dreadful on the day, and if it wasn't for bad referees, Liverpool would have won that game. So, you know, it's three points for Arsenal, but it was concerning how easily Liverpool were able to open them up at times. They got a good win away to Leeds. They drew away to Southampton, which is their worst result of the season so far. Then they hammered Forest. They went and beat Chelsea. Chelsea are obviously in flux, but you go to Chelsea and win, that's a good result. And then they beat Wolves. Um... It wasn't the most impressive performance, but it was a good win. So they're going well. They're top of the league, five points clear of City, seven clear of Newcastle, eight clear of Tottenham. That makes up the top four. They are overperforming, without doubt. They're overperforming at both ends of the pitch. But it doesn't look like it's completely unsustainable, and they're not going to win the league. They're not a title-winning team. But I do think they're going to finish in the top three. I think City will overhaul them. It wouldn't surprise me if Spurs overhauled them. It wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool were able to find a way back into the mix, but I don't think Liverpool can catch them at this point. I think Liverpool are playing more for fourth. 
I think Arsenal finished second or third. Chelsea's fall off. I, I and if they bring in Cristiano, I just think that's going to be a lost season for them. Now, when we look at the Arsenal team, I'm not overly keen on Ramsdale, but they're happy with him. I think they quite like Matt Turner as well as the backup goalkeeper. So that's fine. They've got Carl Hine as well, the Estonian. So their goalkeeping situation, they're they're settled in with. Right back, it's been Ben White, Tommy Asu. Cedric is the third choice. He likely leaves. They've basically got a situation going on between right back and centre back where they've got three players for the two positions with White, Saliba and Tommy Asu. So that's fine. Ideally, you'd like one more. You'd like to be, have a bit more cover, but they'll have Rob Holding and they'll use him. Where they're short is the backup to Gabriel, a left-footed backup to Gabriel. It's the role they looked at Lissandro Martinez for. It's one they probably need to address. Um, they're using Zinchenko at left-back. I think Tierney's a better defender, but Zinchenko's better going forward. But they have both options, so they've got decent balance. Again, you'd like to see them add somebody there as a left-footed defender, primarily as the backup to Gabriel. Um, and I think that's probably the priority in terms of the defensive areas. In midfield, it's been Partey and Xhaka. Xhaka's in the form of his career. It won't last because he's Granit Xhaka, but he is playing very well to his credit. They will be looking, I think, for a successor to him. I think they also need to find a quality backup to Thomas Partey because they may well lose Partey at some point this season. And he is prone to injuries. So they need to address central midfield in terms of depth. Up front, Jesus is playing outstanding football, but he's not scoring as many goals as you'd like. But they are getting goals from Odegaard as the 10. And Fabio Silva is a good backup for him, even if he's had a rough season so far. that's That position is set. In the wide areas, they've got... Oh, and they've got Enketia as a backup to Jesus. So that's that's okay. Martinelli's had a good season so far. I think they could probably do with somebody for a bit of competition for him. And obviously, they are looking at Mudrik and a couple of others. So we'll see if they can get one of those deals across the line. Mudrik might cause problems, though, because he's going to expect to start. He's said he's signing for a club that promises him he can start. If he's starting, what do you then do with Martinelli? I don't think he'll be happy sitting on the bench. Saka on the other wing. See, the other other thing is, they don't actually, I'm wrong, they don't need someone on the left because they've got an Emil Smith-Rowe who will be back from injury. So they don't need anybody on the left. So Mudrik actually doesn't make sense for them. They could do with a bit of cover for Saka on the other side. But Reese Nelson has done quite well this season. And do you really want to just hammer his confidence as it's starting to grow and flourish by saying, well, we've decided you're not good enough for bringing someone else in. I would say for them in January, look for a left-footed centre-back who can give you cover for Gabriel and at least one in midfield. You may not have the budget to get a starter to replace Xhaka, but then if you don't have the budget for that, get cover for Thomas Partey because when he gets injured and he will get injured, you're going to be in trouble. 
you have nobody else in your squad who can perform his role. Whilst uh, Albert Sambilakonga is talented, he's raw and he's just not the same type of player. He doesn't offer the same on-ball control as Thomas Partey does. So I'd say for January, their big thing is going to be left-footed centre-back, holding midfielder. Teams are going to know that they've got money to spend because they've been you know, linked with a couple of big money players and they've been quite open that they're looking to strengthen. So they could get put over the barrel a little bit, but it's a squad with with a lot of talent. I think there's in-squad changes that makes it a, it a better team. Like I think Tommy Asu, Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney is a lot stronger than White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. I think White is then more suited as that backup to um, Tommy Asu and Saliba. I think then you look for someone who can be a backup to Gabriel and Tierney. Moves Inchenko into midfield where he could be the one who replaces or backs up Granit Xhaka. And you don't need to do anything there. And you can just buy that holding midfielder. So... Left-footed defender, centre-back, left-back, holding midfielder. And I would hold off on a winger because I'd be interested to see what Reese Nelson can offer. Because when he went to the Bundesliga to Hoffenheim a few years ago, you'll remember, he was very, very good. He had that really good burst at the start of the season and him and Sancho were being looked at in the same way. You might be able to find someone on a loan deal in January Remember, you've also got to deal with the fact that you still own Nicolas Pepe and finding a buyer for him is not going to be easy given the the cost. Um, They've got a couple of other really promising young players that they don't want to block the path of Fowler and Balogun. Uh, He's doing well for Reims. He's got eight goals in 15 games so far. So I think he's probably a bigger prospect than Nketiah as you bring him back in the summer and maybe you sell Eddie and Ketia. The biggest prospect they have is Charlie Patino, who, like I've said before, might be the best talent they've ever produced. And I think they're probably looking at him as the one who replaces Granite Xhaka eventually, like the, the actual you know successor there. And it could even be as, as soon as next season. Um, but I wouldn't be rushing into doing anything drastic I wouldn't be rushing into any big spends in January because it could upset the balance. It could upset the dressing room, especially if Martinelli finds himself shunted out of position. And if Martinelli is shunted out of position, what then becomes of Emile Smith-Rowe? Because he's not going to be happy being the third-choice left winger and the third-choice number 10. Now, you could say, oh, he's the backup 10 and Fabio Vieira is the backup on the right wing, but Vieira is not a Saka type of player. He's a very different type of player. He's far more suited to playing the Odegaard role. But if they do those two things, left-footed centre-back, who can also play left-back, and a holding midfielder in January, I think they'll be strong, and I think that will solidify them then in the top three. Um, Arsenal fans will probably be of the belief that they can win the league, and that's fair enough. You know, you've had a great start, but it is only 14 games. And I would point out that, you know, we've seen teams have really, really good runs for 14 games before and then fall apart. 
this team has a history of falling apart. This manager is still largely unproven. Like, as an example, after 14 games in 1920, Leicester were second. So, you know, I, I would say just be cautious that you're not getting too carried away. They were also second after 14 games in 2021. Now, they weren't as good as you. They weren't playing as well as you. They hadn't had the results you've had, but they had an awful lot of talent, an awful lot of talent, and both seasons they ended up in fifth. Uh, I would say, remember, last season, West Ham had an excellent start to the season, and I believe I'm right in saying that they were in the top four after 14 games. They were indeed. They were fourth. They'd been as high as third, and they ended up seventh. So just, you know, temper expectations a little bit. But they're certainly playing good football. It's very City-esque. It's, it's the same type of movement as City. Slightly different rotations in the attacking areas. But Gabriel Jesus is playing very, very well. If you look at the, the summer business for Arsenal, um, Jesus is playing well. Zinchenko's done well. Vieira hasn't done well yet, but he did have that wonderful goal he scored in, I think, one of the Cups, or in Europe, maybe. Um, or was it, was it against Brentford? Maybe it was against Brentford he scored that goal. Yes, a game in the game against Brentford. It was a lovely goal. Uh, Marquinhos is, is, a, is a kid, and he was a, a, just a bit of a flyer that they took three million a gamble on talent, sim similar thing that they did with Martinelli. Uh, so we'll see. He probably needs a loan in January to go and get games. And Matt Turner, he looks solid enough and he's likely to start for the US. So we'll see more of him during the World Cup than we have um, for Arsenal, really. I know he's played four Europa League games, but who's watching those? Uh, right, that is that. That's where I've got Arsenal at the moment. I think they're going to finish in the top three. I think those are the two things they need to do in the... January market, I think they need to be cautious, not try and run before they're fully walking upright and just continue the gradual progression. And with that, I will see you all on Wednesday. No pod tomorrow. I will see you all on Wednesday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.